0: To all the mothers, Happy Mother's Day. We appreciate you.
1: uh,
0: Special having mothers in your life, whether they're older or younger, or the same age. Um, Last week we were uh, were at confirmation, but uh, last time together, uh, John finished up in chapter um, 15 and almost with uh, Paul's ending, be refreshed in your company. May God, may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Which uh, would uh, be an ending in and of itself. However, uh, you may recall that the way we write letters now and the way they started and ended letters is opposite of us. They start the letter by telling you who the the writer-sender is and ended it with, in effect, greetings and hellos and dear and whatever else that we do now. So it's totally opposite. So Paul uh, is starting in with some greetings. And um, if someone would be kind enough to read verses 1 through 16 of chapter 16 in Romans.
2: Well, I'll do that since we're going to have to be gone next Sunday.
0: We would like a reading from
2: you.
1: Well, ready. I there's some good names. You I, know. I approach
2: this with some trepidation. Yeah, right. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant at the church of Sincre, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a worthy way of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give them thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved (coughs) Epineus, who was my first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Androconos and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Before me, Grand Apulia, Apuliaus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Staches. Greet Apollos, my beloved, and who is my beloved in Christ? Greet them who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who bring, who also who belong to the family of (coughs) Narcissus, greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphaneus and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet (coughs) Synchrius, Philigym, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philogius, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Thank I you. I wouldn't have done that if I'd known that was all there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we
0: know I'll butcher them when it comes time for me to talk about them. But here he starts with Phoebe, who probably is the person who transported the letter, if you will. Paul was probably in Corinth at this time. And Sincria would have been more the port city. Corinth is about six miles or so inland, and so this would be, uh, you know, where she would have embarked on the boat. And you know, people traveled around, particularly those that lived near port cities, a lot more than we think about them just uh, milling about in their neighborhood, sort of speak. I mean, you know, Rome built roadways, and of course the Greeks had harbors and all that, so it was not unusual uh, that people were traveling around. Maybe the fact that Phoebe, being a woman, was traveling around, but she was the one that brought the letter. And so he's telling the readers, you know, uh, here is who she is. She's a servant, meaning she serves the church. And uh, the word used can actually in the Greek be uh, used for the word deacon. But, you know, whether she was a, a deacon in the church or just how she served, she served well. And the fact that you know, he uh, views her as a saint because of what she's done. She's, you know, uh, been a patron of Paul and many others, so that's telling you that she was probably a woman of means and shared her wealth uh, both probably in service and financially. Uh, obviously, Paul needed lots of support as he went through his ministry and it wasn't all necessarily uh, financial, it was as much or more he needed the prayers and, and the support that someone like uh, Phoebe would have given him. And uh, so he's telling them, you know, she is a, a woman worthy of uh, bringing this letter to you. She serves well, and he calls her her sister. It uh, wasn't necessarily her blood sister. It was just someone he felt very close to and uh, Vuter in that respect. Then he starts off with greetings, and and the greetings are more in terms of hellos, um, that he's acknowledging them, letting them know he remembers them and knows of them. Um, The greetings here to individuals is longer than in most of Paul's epistles. There are 24 names at least mentioned, and then Rufus's mother. Um, you know, it, it, you kind of wonder why he didn't um, give her name also, particularly when he goes, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Um, in, in Timothy, he tells um, um, Timothy how to... Um, deal with uh, elders really do not rebuke an older man but encourage him as you would a father younger men as brothers older women as mothers younger women as sisters all in purity you know so look at your fellow Christian if they're older as a father or a mother if they're your age or younger as a brother or sister so that's what he's telling them that it's somebody he feels very close to um, you know, we've probably got, all got friends. You know, we probably call them best friends. And um, what is it now? Best friend forever? BFFs. Yeah, BFFs. But, um, you know, we've all had really close friends that were of the opposite, uh, opposite gender, and, you know, they were just as good of friends if, you know, they have been one of my guy buddies. But um, so that's what he's telling them when he says, you know, Your sister, you know, she's my sister, she's your sister. She's in the Lord's company. And then he starts out with, uh, in the greetings, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Now, we hear about them in Acts, and um, uh, where's the, yeah, but I'm trying to find my marker, and I think I pulled it out. (laughs) I used if you're already there, well I had several of them in eighteen I wanted, but if you're um, go ahead and read the first Acts two chapter
1: eighteen and the first verse.
0: Two and three.
1: After this Paul after this Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they worked together by trade. They were tent makers.
0: So notice here, and we talked about this earlier, they were Jews and they were kicked out of Rome by Claudius. And that was something that early on in this book, we talked about how there was some conflict, and there were conflicts in all the early churches between those that were Jews and those that were Gentile, but there was a unique factor in Rome in the fact that the early, early church there would have had Jews and Gentiles, and then all of a sudden it became just Gentiles because Claudius had kicked all of those out who were Jewish by heritage, and particularly if they were actively practicing, but even if they weren't actively practicing, the fact that they were Jewish by culture, they probably felt they better get out of town before the sun set, so to speak. And and so they left. They and Paul had gotten to be friends because of their commonality of their trade, being tent makers. And so they developed a relationship there, but they had now gone back since Claudius had died, and they were back in Rome at home, so to speak. They had returned. And so... He's telling them, you know, hey, and how they had risked their necks for them, and, you know, how he had helped them, how he uh, they had been together. And also, I, if in I've um, uh, got two I wanted to read, just let me bear with you. Well, I can't find exactly where in Acts. Well, no wonder I'm in 19. Um, Talking about Paul, he spoke and taught accurately of the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. Well, here again, I'm out of order. I'm sorry. He began to speak boldly in the synagogues, but then Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They took him and explain to him the way of God more accurately. You know, this isn't Paul, but it's just, here's what this couple did. They were, you know, even when they were still in Corinth, they were wanting to see that people understood what the gospel was ba- about. And so even when someone was, you know, m- maybe not misinterpreting, but they didn't fully understand, they worked with them to help them understand. So, you know, I think it's... It's probably very real that they are the first ones that he greets because of the close relationship he had had with them, but yet he's wanting the others to know that's in this list about who that he remembers who they are. He has had some sort of association with them, either because of where they were in places along his missionary trips or he had heard about them and what they were doing in Rome. Because some of them that he's greeting that are like of the household of or the family of, they were probably servants. And so they wouldn't have been traveling around uh, what we call the Near East now. But uh, he knew of them. He knew of their love of the Lord. And so he wanted to let them know as he went through this, what was going on, what they were doing. And, you know, he talks about, you know, house churches. A lot of times, that's where the church was. It was in people's homes. And they only periodically got together. You know, the closest thing now would be like our small groups, but that may have been more their service, is small groups and, you know, possibly on feast days or things like that, they might meet together somewhere as a bigger group. But uh, they were small groups. And, you know, he's telling them about, you know, greet also the church in their house. Uh, It's not necessarily Priscilla's and Aquila's house, but just small churches and greeting those people that met there. Um, You know, he talks about beloved people, individuals that this is, you know, a spiritual love that he had for them, a closeness, a, a love of, like I mentioned before, brothers or sisters. He felt a closeness to them because of the love of Christ and what they had done to show that love really in sharing with other people and how they got along with each other. Um, he talks about Mary. um And uh, her, the problem, you know, in verse 6, greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Not sure who this is. Mary is such a common name in the New Testament. They would have known who he was talking about. But, you know, 2,000 years later, that's been lost to us. And uh, But, you know, they do a labor uh, who has worked hard for you, you know, that hard work probably was more a labor of love um, we were at some function here this week and uh, we're sitting with some couples that we had just met and uh, one of the guys was mentioning the other guy he goes he's uh, the guy's actually returned from uh, Bell South where he managed real estate but the the friend was saying he's he's got a plumbing license, an electrician's license a carpenter license, all that sort of stuff. And his wife goes, well, why don't you do that at home? And he goes, well, at the lake house, it's fun. It's work at the house. <laughs> um, and so, but that's kind of what he's talking about here, that the labor she was doing, she didn't really see it as work. It was a labor of love. It was something she, she enjoyed doing that sometimes, you know, um, one person's work another person's therapy, almost, and what they enjoy. And in her case, whether it was therapy or not, it was something she enjoyed doing. And that's really the case with a lot of the people mentioned here, that uh, they did it and um, how they worked. Um, in verse 7, um, we have what is a couple that is mentioned. Um, My fellow prisoners, they are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Um, Paul is only mentioned once or twice in Acts as being in prison, but in Corinthians, I think first, but one of the two uh, letters about being in prison more times. So probably they had been imprisoned with imprisoned with him somewhere or with there, you know, when he was. So they had. Had a bond there. And they were known to the apostles, probably because of what they did, you know, the sincerity that they had, the discernment that they exhibited. So the people in uh, the apostles in Jerusalem had uh, known them. And uh, so here again, he's acknowledging them um, and who they were, that it was probably a husband and wife team, even though some people. Uh, have argued that Juna's um, uh, first name could have been a male name. Uh, but others say, you know, there's that's, they think reading more into it than is there, that this is a couple who worked together and had a shared ministry. Um, then we go down to the two families I mentioned. Uh, there in uh, verse 10 and again in verse 11. As I mentioned a moment ago, they were household probably servants. Uh, And so that's not saying that the two individuals mentioned are necessarily Christians, but the individuals within their household, probably as I say, the servants, the slaves. And in the case of the second one, uh, Narcissus He more than likely was a senior official to Claudius. And he, at Claudius' death, committed suicide, probably because the Caesar he served, the emperor he served, was dead. So he was somebody from yesterday, so to speak. You know, he's getting kicked out. And I even read one place where Nero's mother encouraged him to kill himself because she didn't want any threat to her son. And a lot of times those senior officials did not, they knew that they would be deemed a threat. So, you know, it was either kill yourself or be killed. But his household apparently had stayed together, and they were the ones that were members of the church in Rome. And so Paul is here again acknowledging them and telling them, hey, I know who you are, I know what you're doing, I commend you. He lists other names and was mentioned before he mentions Rufus's mother. you know he recognizes her as being someone also that is special. There is a Rufus mentioned in Mark, but you know here again, at a certain point, names are similar and unless you've got just a totally unique name, you can't say this is the same person.
1: The Rufus mentioned in Mark is the son of Simon of Cyrene who carried the cross. It's intriguing to wonder if the son of Simon of Cyrene became one of the leaders in the church who was, all these years later, was being commended by Paul. As Steve says, we don't have any way of knowing that for sure, mm-hmm. but it's certainly worth thinking about. Cause that name—we've I mean, seen that name before. And we can be sure that Priscilla and Aquila were the same two who were mentioned in Acts because of the parallels about what Paul writes and what was written in Acts about them. Uh, but others like like Narcissus and like. Rufus, mm-hmm. we just got to speculate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's intriguing to speculate. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard to believe that, that he could have carried Christ's cross and not have been changed and, and affected by that. So, would, I mean, it makes sense that, his, that he would have become a Christian and his family would Did Steve point out some of these names <coughs> The reason we think that some of these names were servants is that some of these names were, according to Scott, were very often associated, they were slave names. They were names that popped up as, as slaves in, in antiquity all the time. And if, if that's true, what's really striking about this list of greetings is how universal, how, how diverse the early church really was. Half of these people being greeted are female names. And some of them are slave names. And the ones that he refers to as kinsmen, Stott says that's probably a reference to there also being Jews. Not that they were not that they were literally Paul's blood relatives, but that by kinsmen he's referring to them as fellow Jews, implying that the others are Gentiles. So I mean we've just About got we've got slave and free we've got male and female we've got Jew and Greek and as Paul had written there is no more distinction like that this is that's why I think chapter sixteen is is so so interesting to study because of the because of the universality.
0: Then, in verse sixteen, greet one another with a holy kiss. all the churches of Christ greet you the The holy kiss is something that shows warm affection it's sincere you know it's a greeting um and it's more than you know you see kiss kissing each cheek is a common greeting in the middle East. you'll see pictures of people. You know, coming into a meeting, and you know, you go up and uh, kiss each other on both cheeks, and they go on. This is something more than just that. It's not obviously a, a passionate kiss between a couple, but it's something that is a greeting that shows a warm affection. It's not a treacherous kiss because how did Judas uh, just? tell the the soldiers the one who I kiss I mean that was treacherous so kisses can be all sorts but this is a holy kiss a warm greeting a sharing like of the peace to let them know and you know particularly as John pointed out just then this is such a mixed bag of people from whence they came it's you know just because Uh, You know, I came from a slave family and somebody else came from a wealthy family. We're indistinguishable. And we need to show that. Uh, You know, recognize each other as brother and sister or as as a mother to you, as a father to you. Have that common bound, that greeting that shows your relationship with Christ. Then verses 17 through 23, if um, someone would be kind enough to read those for us. Do, Thanks, Mike.
1: I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the maid. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent, as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipita, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greet you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother, Quartus greet you.
0: Thank you. Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. You know, look out for people that, you know, we were... You've been having these divisions, you know, about who ate what, you know, whether you can eat... Uh, food that's been sacrificed uh, to you know, pagan gods, whether you can, um, you know, were you're a Jew to begin with and you had to become a Jew, a Jew before you could become a tr- Christian, we had the Judaizers. And so, you know, there were divisions even within Rome that Paul spent the first part of this letter addressing that, you know, be careful of them. We saw him in um, other letters talk about how that these um, people that strike, you know, Paul had people that followed behind him and saying, oh, he got it all wrong, here's really what it is. So he's saying beware of those. Watch out for what is being taught, what is being said, who's doing what they're teaching, because such persons do not serve the Lord Christ, but their own appetites. You know, there is, uh, you know, we see them today sometimes, the false teachers, you know, they can be preaching, uh, you know, they've got their own self-interest in a lot of uh, situations where, you know, they talk about wealth. And I mean, when Paul talks about wealth, it's not necessarily financial. It's a wealth of blessings. It's a wealth of love for others. It's a wealth of things that are not necessarily tangible, but intangible. You know, or they some of these people I've seen in the you know not some uproar about some pastor of some group wanting people to send in five twenty whatever they can send in so he can buy brand new straight off the uh, factory floor guff strain. I mean, you know. I'm sorry? Oh, okay. But we're talking... The Reverend
1: Ike. The Reverend Ike. He was another
0: member. You know, that's a 30-something million dollar plane. You know, you kind of got to wonder what's wrong even with first class. Um, <laughs> di- different definitions. Of, but he's saying, you know, watch out for them because they've got their own interest. They are looking out. They will say things. And, you know, anytime I read this, I'm reminded of the Merchant of Venice and uh, there, and I've done it several times before, but the devil can cite Scripture for his own purpose. An evil soul producing holy witness is like a villain with a smiling cheek, a goodly apple rotten at the heart. You know, it's watch out for that person because they will find things to make you say, hey... You know, take something out of context and get you thinking that. be aware, be careful of what you hear of where you hear hear it um, because it's a problem and they are going to try to get you to um, to think otherwise. Christ even talked about these doves and serpents and you know to be, aware of what's happening you know this is leading into where we go back to if you will in Genesis Genesis 3:15 where God speaks to the serpent and talking about his head will be crushed and so like so where Paul is talking about is how Satan will be destroyed I want you to be wise of what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. You know, wise to what is good. That's knowing the difference and what's important and what's non-negotiable and what's indifferent. You know... when
1: you pray
0: for the Exactly. You know, sometimes... Uh, I was commending my son-in-law one time and how he was dealing with something that key, I thought she was just totally off the wall. And his comment was, you just got to know when to pick your fights. Well, it really wasn't here he was going to fight with her, but we've heard that phrase. And that's kind of what some of that wisdom is here that he's talking about. Know when just to let it go and know when to stand firm. You know, Paul in Ephesians talks about putting on the armor of God. And that's what he's wanting them to understand. He's talking about in Ephesians and, and really here knowing the difference. Now, in Ephesians, it more gets to the discernment that uh, I think uh, where Margaret mentioned. But here he's wanting them, you know, be innocent of what's evil. You know, so if you know, kind of be careful where you go. Um, you know, sometimes if something doesn't sound right, it probably isn't right. And so be aware. And and as I was reading this also, I thought about the... um, We've heard it uh, many times, and um, it's attributed to a wealth of people, but I think it goes back to Lincoln because the others have not been born when uh, Lincoln made the comment about you can fool some of the people all of the time, all of the people some of the time... No, that was P. T. Well, it's attributed to, to Barnum. It's attributed to Mark Twain, but there've been references that go all the way back to Lincoln. Yeah, which, yeah, that's. I went and looked it up today because I was I wanted to confirm that it was P.T. Barnum, and the more I read, I go, hmm. I'm glad you said that. That's good. But you were ahead of me. It, I learned it this this morning, um, but. You know, we want to be in that group that is, you know, and you can't fool all the people all the time. We want to be in that group that's not fooled. And, you know, at least at least pretty well in number two, but really not being fooled. And you got to be careful. So you've got to think through and be wise in when you hear these false teachers and what they're saying to know and to discern what is different. And then... He almost, you know, in some ways, here again, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Be with you in dealing with these sort of situations. Help you deal with it. Then he recognizes Timothy who's with you, and he's Timothy is sending his greetings. And then something that's unique in this letter is the person that was described, uh, Tertus, who wrote this letter, Greet you in the Lord. You know, letters back at this point in time, a lot of times the person, it wasn't me handwriting a letter. It was dictation. And probably <laughs> you have to wonder if Paul didn't realize everything he put this guy through dictating this letter. <laughs> he deserved to say, I greet you. Um, but then, uh, also there in 23, Eratus, the city treasurer, and our brother... Uh, Quartus greet you. Well, Eretus, there is in Corinth an inscription in the pavement near the Corinthian theater that says, Eratus in return for his adelship, which is treasurer, laid the payment at his own expense. So he is, uh, was a city official. So that's apparently Paul knew some high-ranking people there. Now something, if you will notice, there's a verse 23, and then it jumps to 25. In the King James, there is a 24, and it is similar to the end of verse 20. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And while that would seem to be a nice place to end the letter, as was... Verse 33 at the end of 15. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. The last three we'll talk about next week. Have a great week.